Before we get stuck into today's episode, we are available on 10 different podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, releasing a new show every Monday morning. We are the only relationship podcast on the planet that interviews the most qualified relationship coaches, marriage counsellors, authors on love, and psychologists around the world. Alongside the amazing coaches I get to interview, collectively we bring to life a foolproof relationship operation manual for you, the listener, that endeavours to help every woman in the world thrive in their romantic connections. If you've had enough of one toxic connection after another, then hit the subscribe button or the plus button to be the first to know when a new episode has been released. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Empowered Women's Podcast. You're with yours truly, Amanda, and I'm here today joined by Jean sullivan Belechi. I hope I pronounced her surname correctly. Jean, did I get that one Perfect. right? Perfect. Perfect. Oh, should be a pronunciation coach. Thank God for that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to bring you in, Jean. So you're a certified law of attraction life coach, and you're also the author of Be the Soulmate You Want to Attract, which was published back in 2020. We're going to go into that book. You've also entertained mm-hmm. and inspired millions in the media interviews with your extraordinary midlife love story. So we need to know more about that as well. And you've somehow been able to turn your marketing skills on yourself and attract uh, your husband overnight. So mm-hmm. I've heard about sales skills and how sales can actually also be the same as dating. So we can unpack that. Now, obviously, as a certified life coach, you help singles step into their sovereignty, helping people live their happiest, most purposeful life so that they can attract a partner who supports and elevates their vision. So we love all of that. So welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Now, I think I approached you online to come on to this interview from memory. That's correct. Yeah. And I was delighted to hear from you because I haven't hmm. um, worked with the Australian market yet. Oh, okay. So this is your first Aussie podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Cool. I love it. Yeah. Always wanted to. So this is very exciting. Yeah. Yep. Now you're overseas somewhere. You're in America. <laughs> so casual. Well, part-time, part-time I'm in California, but now I'm in Ireland. I'm in West Cork. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I've been um, speaking to quite a few speakers in America of late and I'm always interested to know exactly where they're from. So you've done a bit of traveling in the last sort of, well, have you done quite a bit of traveling in your time? I have. I used to work in the travel industry. Mm. So I was constantly traveling, you know, all the time. And, you know, the pandemic gave me a little bit of a break from that. Mm. But I'm really glad to finally be able to get back out and travel again and see people in person and give them a hug. And yeah, I'm just glad. (laughs) It's nice to travel. And how do you find Ireland in comparison to California? Well, I would say, um, you know, that it's definitely a lot more relaxing, mm-hmm. a lot less traffic. <laughs> and, yep. um, you know, it's just as beautiful in its own way. You know, I was from, um, from San Francisco, which is, mm. you know, obviously really beautiful, but this is just as beautiful uh, naturally. And, you know, people are really warm and welcome here. And Californians are pretty, pretty nice too. Mm. That's why a lot of Australians, I think, move to 
San Francisco and West Cork. It's really interesting. There are actually quite a few Australians here. And then a lot of Irish people have moved to Australia. They love it. Mm, okay, interesting. I didn't actually know that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, tell, maybe tell us your midlife love story. What's what's the go with that? So I was considered by many friends a confirmed spinster because mm. I was, um, you know, I was I was, you know, three hundred pounds, and so a lot of people said, "Oh, no one's gonna, you know, want to date." a big girl like that. And I was mm. middle-aged, you know, I was, I was no longer a spring chicken. And the biggest thing that they were worried about is that I had a big personality mm. and they thought, oh gosh, you know, men are going to find you intimidating. They aren't because I was looking for a man and they said they're, they're not going to like that. They're going to feel threatened or intimidated. So I guess for a long time, I actually did buy into that. And it's no surprise now that I'm a law of attraction life coach that I attracted men who couldn't really live in my world. They, they, you know, I I had actually had one ex who said that he was riding my coattails Mm. and that didn't feel good because I really wanted a partner in my life. Uh, so the the man I was dating before my husband, um, we had a horrible, horrible breakup, mm. but it needed to happen. I, I had trouble letting go of that relationship. Um, I consider myself an empath and, you know, I was so caught up in making sure that he was taken care of and nurturing him and whatnot. I just couldn't seem to just break it off and and stand up for myself. So when it did finally break up, I decided, okay, I'm looking at all the men that I've attracted in my life. I have to see that I'm the common denominator. <laughs> something, something within me that doesn't fully love or accept myself, then I keep attracting this type of man into my life. So yeah, yeah. I took two years off. Two years off dating. And uh, I took two years off of dating, correct. Yep. And yep. then um, after that, uh, I decided to study with dating and relationship masters. I decided to travel the world. I decided to do something I had always wanted to do uh, and not wait for a partner. I launched a business, mm-hmm. um, a, a PR and marketing business, and it it thrived. I really surprised myself and I grew. And I decided, okay, after two years, I felt like I really had stepped into the a better version of myself. And so I put myself out there online. Yep. And this really interesting thing happened. Um, I was attracting almost exclusively 25 year old men. <laughs> and uh, I was an accidental cougar. Yeah. And, right. um, Why do you think that happened <laughs> organically? <laughs> this is a short ad break. Uh, quick question Do you run a small business that could potentially help empower women? then I'd love to hear from you. The Empowered Women's Podcast is now taking sponsorship applications. So see my email link in the show notes below, pitch us your business and we can set up a time to chat and I can run you through how it all works. Okay, back to the show. I actually asked them. Yep. I asked them. Um, I was really curious because it was so consistent and it was usually some variation of, well, you look really fun, you look really confident, you're more experienced, wink, wink, than the women that I date. And unlike the women that I normally date, you're not going to want to marry me or have my baby. You know? Yeah, um, okay. Mm. 
Yeah. Because they were kind of so at an age it, where it's just like, oh, it's off the table at the moment. I'm not ready for that. Because it is. It's sort of like mid-20s, early 20s for guys. It just, they're still like 20-year-olds. It's it's like equivalent to a female when she's 20 and still sort of, you know, prime partying and stuff. Have you ever read um, Alison Armstrong? No. She's an expert on men. No. She says men in their 20s are, the, are when they break women's hearts the most because mm. they have these developmental stages that, um, and in the, their 20s, they're like princes and they need to um, sow their wild oats. They have to live their adventure. And unless they see marriage as an adventure, there's just no, they can love you and then say, I'm going to go backpack in Europe for two years. Bye. <laughs> Women just don't yeah. get that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Interesting. Interesting. So what I figured out from that feedback was mm. um, the last piece of the puzzle. I said, okay, what's the last piece of the puzzle? And I realized that I wasn't authentically branding myself, not a hundred percent. I wasn't being honest about my dating agenda, which was to get married. Uh, women are told not to say that it's too scary for men. It might seem too needy. So and true. So, so true. Yeah. Yep. And I had a client the other day actually call me. She heard, she took my advice and she put that in her profile. She wanted to get married. And some guy wrote her and said, oh, it makes you look like a gold digger. Really? And. (laughs) I must admit though, I I must admit, Jean, sorry to cut you in, but. It's okay. If I see people with that in their profiles, like I want to get married and this and that, one or two things. I think fantastic. I love that you know what you want. And then I think, is it too much too soon? But then I'm kind of loving, I'm loving the coaching advice around be really transparent about what you do want because if you don't, you're not going to attract the right person in eventually because it's like a numbers game. Eventually you're going to attract that Mm -hmm. person who's open, ready, and willing for that level of commitment. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I I understand the feeling like maybe it's too soon. I do. I get that. It's just that all I had been doing up until then was writing, oh, I was trying to be careful about it. And I would say, yeah, like, oh, I'm looking for a long-term relationship eventually, but now I just want to start as friends and see how it goes. And so I was attracting guys who read that as, oh, she's just looking to have, get her groove back. You know, she's, she's not really so, and you can put in your profile, um, that you, you know, you, your, your ultimate agenda is dating, not necessarily in the, I'm sorry, is marriage, not necessarily in those words, but you can say, you know, ultimately that's what I'm looking for. Not tomorrow, mm. <laughs> not next week. Um, but when I got honest about that, but also I realized there were other things that I didn't reveal in my profile that I, I had unconsciously been afraid to. Like, um, I knew a lot of straight men were uncomfortable with drag queens, and I love going to drag shows. I love um, going to drag parties and, and whatnot. Mm. And I just put a big old picture of me in the profile <laughs> with a bunch of drag queens at the Sex of the City show. Yeah. And I said, I'm just going to get comfortable with scaring away the guys who are uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And the beauty of that is I don't waste so much time on them. Yeah. Yeah. And perfect. 
It's like flying your freak flag, right? Do you guys use that expression in Australia? No, we don't, but it's something you use in the book, isn't it? It is. It has to do with, um, it started with a Jimi Hendrix song. I don't know if that's where it started, but that's when it became mm. used. Uh, Jimi Hendrix had a song called If Six Was Nine. And as talk, he talks about flying his freak flag and not mm. copying the white collar conservative, you know, and just flying his freak flag. So I realized in authentically branding myself using my marketing hat, I needed to fly my freak flag a little bit and mm. just get comfortable with scaring some men away and just realizing that the right people will be attracted to that. And so when I posted that new profile, the very next day, not only did my husband reach out to me, but a bunch of men who were around my age and they said, I want to get married too. Why are we afraid to say that? Oh, how cool. Um, yeah. And that they, they really liked what I was about and that I was fun, but that also I was very open-minded and, and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, so with the book itself, how, like how big's the book? Is it an easy read? Is it is it audible or is it just um, is it just sort of paperback? There's a paperback and then there is a digital version that you can get on Kindle. I don't have the audio yet. Yeah. I would say it's an easy read. I purposefully, you know, made the text really large and inviting. And then I put a lot of worksheets in there mm. so that you would actually stop. Because sometimes when we buy a book, it sits on the shelf for a while. <laughs> Yeah, And this book invites you to right away do very gentle exercises to start exploring things that are kind of hard to explore on your own, unless you have somebody kind of just gently nudging you yeah. to try to get at the resistance of why you're attracting people who don't want the same things that you do. So what are some of the exercises you make people do from the book? So the first thing, I have a six-step process in my coaching program. I kind of re, um, reverse engineered, I guess, what I did mm. to attract the right men and also wove my tra training into it. And I, I realized that the very first thing that men and women could do to start releasing resistance is to forgive. Mm -hmm. So we have some forgiveness exercises and a lot of times people will go, oh, like, I've done that. And in most cases, they really haven't. It's like, it's a head thing, but it's not in their heart. So I have some exercises to help them figure out what resentments they're still carrying, not only towards others, but really mostly towards themselves. A lot of people don't forgive themselves. And until you do, until you really forgive yourself and realize that the so-called mistakes you've made in the past were just there to teach you about yourself and what you mm. need and deserve, you're going to keep attracting the same thing over and over if you don't do that. You know, forgiveness is um, is one of those things where it can be really hard to do. It's really hard to do, but it's not for the other person. It's actually for you. I've done that exercise where I wrote I wrote someone a letter and I sent it to them. But I did it for me because I kept dreaming of this mm -hmm. person repeatedly and I had a dream interpreter interpret my dreams and go, well, this dream is symbolic for this issue that you have with this person. But in order to let that go out of your system, this is what I want you to write in the letter. And for me to actually say I love you in this letter, I was like, I'm not saying that. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like all this resentment came up to the surface. But then once I wrote it out, like I bawled my eyes out 
And it's like this golf ball of emotion came to my throat and then it was out. And then once it was, it was like a huge, I could physically feel the release come out of my body and out of my throat chakra. And then I just stopped dreaming about them for a while. I mean, it's only just started up recently because it's a family member and I'm back in my hometown now. Um, and we, we still don't have contact. However, um, it worked. It really, in that moment for quite a few months, it actually did work. So it's very powerful. Yeah. I had chill. I have chills listening to that because that's exactly what I want for people. It's just for them. It doesn't matter what happens with the other person. It's really for you. And I love when you said the golf ball, Mm. because you can feel it. You can feel this ball of like stuck emotion just trapped there. You just feel it bubble up to the surface and, and release. And it, I had a client, she said that that exercise alone, you know, she, she had manifested someone five days later from doing that work. Wow. Um, so yeah. the process doesn't have to be a long time. Mm. I'll also say, you know, just with letting go, like I've moved back mm-hmm. to Melbourne recently from the Gold Coast and I kind of came back to Melbourne having expectations around how things are going to be. And I've never moved into state and come back before. So it's my first time. And you think dynamics are going to be the same and they're actually not. And I don't know, maybe you can relate to this because you've done some traveling yourself mm-hmm. and you might even sort of visit your hometown in between living interstate. But then when you actually move back and you think, hang on a minute, you said to me that we were going to hang out when I got back. And now, now that I'm back, there's actually no urgency there. And I've kind of mm-hmm. felt that with certain friendships. And it, I actually had a meltdown over the weekend about it, Jean. And I was like, far out. Like, so this is where we're at now. It's like, so, but mm-hmm. although I felt really shit and down about it, as soon as I just accepted it and I spoke about it and then I had a girlfriend of mine who just two key friendships that two friends of mine older and wiser and they kind of just put a lot into perspective and at the end of the day when like me personally going into state I had a huge spiritual glow up so the fact that those same people are no longer probably gravitating to my life the way I probably would have expected them to probably just is a is an indication of where I'm now at and go, well, that's probably a good thing because they probably weren't really at your level to begin with. And now, now you can actually see you're definitely not on mm-hmm. the same page. Can you relate to that? Absolutely. A plus, by the way, that is really, really common as, mm. and I've had that in my own life too, as I started to put myself out there more as the soulmate coach it's amazing. Uh, the women, especially that I thought would be in my corner the most, were kind of like rolling their eyes and kind of applying. One implied I was becoming a narcissist, really. And um, because I was putting myself out there, which it was the opposite for me. For me to step out there and be visible was terrifying. Mm. <laughs> and I was just really surprised at the judgment. And then when I, I really unpacked it, I said, okay, okay. She's still at the same place she was 10 years ago and she just can't move on. And I've really moved on with my life and gone to way higher places. And Mm -hmm. she can't understand that frequency. She will, she's going to put her own story on it, but I don't have to attach 
to that story. And it is in my best interest because now I'm attracting men and women who are so supportive and really see me and mm. see what my intentions are and the love in my heart and that I want, this is what I feel my purpose is. Mm. And they're, they're supporting me in that. Yeah. So I told, I got to, I yeah. got to applaud you for that realization. It's just, I mean, like, it was just such a rude awakening for me. And like I said, I, one of my close mates, he's um, he's a bit older, he's in his 50s, and he goes, Mandy, I've never seen you like that before. I go, because it's not something I was proud to admit, to think that, like, we never want to admit that we're lonely or that we feel like our friendships um, are different or that we, you know, we go, we get dramatic and we go, we feel like we've got no friends. When we do, we've always got friends. But we kind of feel at times, well, when they're not sort of showing up the way they used to, we now feel like we don't have friends, right? Not the case at all. But when you're sitting in that emotion and like, I mean, in two years that I was, I was only away for 15 months, but in that time, Jean, I had about three or four girlfriends have babies and see at my age at 36, people are right in the prime of their relationships Eh, I'll give him another 10 years and we'll see who starts getting divorced and all the rest of it, right? <laughs> but until then, everyone's in really healthy, happy relationships. God love them. Good on them. You know, yeah. but I'm I'm still single myself. I don't have kids mm-hmm. and I don't have huge, stupid responsibilities. So life is pretty peachy, you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, sometimes you're kind of like, all right, I get it. I'm sort of stuck in that, that rock and a hard place. But... That's okay. At the moment, I'm just transitioning. And then when that next cycle comes through, people who are not only single but spiritually elevated, they're going to start filtering through again. They will. They absolutely will. And some people will come back to you. I had a friend who who stepped away from me. He was going through his own thing. I I, mm-hmm. I thought it was about me. It was really about him. And he came back like 10 years later. He wrote me the most beautiful letter. He had apologized that he had been judging me and whatnot, and then he could really see. He was so excited for everything that I was doing. Mm. And now we're closer than I think we ever were. Mm. But for the most part, you know, a lot of the people that I left behind, I just left behind. Yeah. You know, um, law of attraction is people think it's about thinking your way to what you want, but it's really feeling your way to what you want, feeling the vibration of having what you want. And as your vibration, your vibration clearly went way higher during that time frame you were away. Oh, so you needed high. that time to, yeah. to grow, right? Yeah. Um, I've been watching The Secret um, all week, pretty much. And I've been watching a lot of um, Rhonda Burns interviews again, and listening to her story and how The Secret actually came about. Do you know how that, that story actually came about, how she launched the book? I don't know about the launch. I just know about the book and the movie, but I, I what's the story? Yeah, so Rhonda was actually a producer, movie producer. So she was in the middle of producing uh, a few shows at the time. So it, it, she was about, I think she was $2 million in debt. So as a producer, she wasn't making amazing money. And she had to constantly get in debt and keep asking for credit because she just had an unwavering faith about the secret and what it was going to bring to the world. And then she started to get bills, bills and bills and bills in the mail. And instead of saying, oh, I've got another bill, she goes, oh, I've got another paycheck. And she just adds zeros to that. 
And what she would do, she'd tally up all her bills and go, look how much I've earned this week. And then out of nowhere, she got a $25,000 check in the mail from a company she'd never heard of. And that kind of helped her get back on her feet. And then, and then I think there was another situation where she started to just give out money she didn't have. And we hear about stories like that too where mm-hmm. you can get to that position where you're pretty dead flat broke and, you know, give and you shall receive, that kind of situation. And she did that. Mm-hmm. And then the book became so stupidly successful. She's probably one of the most well-known authors around the world now. Um, mm-hmm. And she's an Aussie. So, woo, <laughs> go Rhonda. But, yeah, it's what I like about The Secret is that when you feel flat on your ass and you're down and out, I mean, it's free on YouTube, pop it on YouTube and you watch and you get immersed again and you get reminded again on the simplicity around The Secret and the law of attraction. But there's also 11 laws around the 11 universal laws. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's keep going with your six-step process because we just went on a beautiful tangent from the first one. (laughs) It was really beautiful. Yeah. So what's Um, the second one? So it's to get off the dating hamster wheel. And what I mean by that is uh, take another gentle look at your patterns, your relationship patterns, your emotional patterns, to figure out what are the stories you're telling yourself that are keeping you stuck in this pattern, this endless loop of attracting the same person. Mm. And, you know, for some it's, uh, you know, fear of commitment. And what is that about? Let's, let's find out what that's about. So there are exercises to help people just take an exploration of it and, and, and really be honest with themselves without judgment. That's a big piece of what I ask them to do is just be curious about it. Just gently be curious and don't judge yourself about it. Just give yourself permission to see where this goes. And a lot of times they'll, they're very surprised to go, oh my gosh, I think I'm afraid of intimacy. I did not know that, you know, because I, sometimes I overshare and I, I just didn't realize. So that's a big part of the process. And then once they figure that out, I work with them on learning to trust themselves because that's a big piece. And a part of that is figuring out that you can honor your boundaries just because you couldn't in the past, or maybe your boundaries were too hard in the past, either way, whether they were too soft or too hard, it, you can trust yourself that with that awareness, you're not going to make that mistake again. You are empowered to own who you are, what you want and what you deserve. And part of that is getting in touch with your intuition, get it dropping back into your body because your body, I don't know if you can relate to this, but mm. when your body, your body's more connected to your intuition. So is it ever? the sensations you feel are a really mm. big clue that what your intuition is trying to say and not what your head's trying to say. I will second that and say that I just have to feel how my body feels around a certain person. Like I feel energy so strongly with people. It's almost like an energy vortex. I'm like, oh, there's something here I don't like, especially when there's envy. When you're sitting across the room from someone and you can feel there's like an ins- they're insecure and they're slightly jealous and envy of you and you're like, oh, I can't stand this feeling, but I can feel it hitting me at full force and I can't even fucking look mm-hmm. at them properly. You know what I mean? It's that you can't even make eye contact with them. It's uncomfortable because you know it's there and it's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with how you're triggering them, right? And, yeah, 
So that's one example of how your body will basically scream at you when your when your intuition is basically on fire. I think you're an empath. You're an empath. I'm a huge empath. Like I hate it. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel so deeply, Jean. Like I can't walk into a room without. It's like it's like if my energy could have sounds, it would sound like an orchestra because there's so much going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean that that's definitely that that story was just such empath, like so beautifully said. And that that is true. That's how I would I would walk the earth. For me, the way that I kind of shut some of that off, that's why I got to 300 pounds, because that's the way I coped with it. Mm. And um I met an expert in that, um Judith Orloff at uh, Esalen Institute. It's this hippie place in California and I said to her, I don't understand why I keep using this as a way to protect myself from feeling what the world feels. And she said, because it, it works. And empaths just have to find healthier ways to hold their boundaries. And so boundaries are a big part of what I do. And a lot of times, especially empaths, don't know what their boundaries are because they're so driven to make the other person comfortable and um, that they they don't they don't even think about it. It's not that they don't have a good self-esteem. It's just not their nature. Yeah. I mean, look, I train personally and that, like as an empath, as a solid empath, that that gives me a really strong sense of it. what training does. It connects your body and your spirit because you get to feel in your body. That's what I love about mm. training is that you, you have a lot of self-awareness and then discipline and then the confidence comes and then, yeah, it just translates into life very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. well what's the third point in your process? So the, the trust, learning to trust yourself and the process is the third part. And then the fourth part is um, I do a lot of uh, alter ego work. And what this basically is, is flying your freak flag. I help people figure out where they, where they are not doing that. Um you know, for example, are they not living their life expressing their gifts? Are they, is their inner child really cranky because they're not living it, having any fun in their life? Um, are they really exhausted from putting other people first in relationships and they don't live for themselves? You know, there's all these different things. And yeah. by doing alter ego work, I help them to reclaim the parts of themselves that for whatever reason got sent away, whether it's through negative relationships and they learn to alter themselves so they'd be accepted or they were just told you're too much. I used to hear that a lot. And it could be like, for me, I always had this drag queen inside of me. Mm. Always. I always loved to be, to entertain and, and, um, you know, people would be like, oh, God, rolling their eyes at me and that I was too loud and too much. But other people have maybe not a whole alter ego inside of them that wants to come out, but qualities like I hear all the time, I used to be adventurous, I used to be fun, I used to be flirty. Mm. And I coax that out of them into the light because that's their secret sauce to attracting the right person. So when you're doing that kind of work on someone, is this something you and I can do now? I mean, I think I'm really comfortable within myself, but I'm just wondering if there's like something you can do really, really quickly 
to bring that. Yeah, I think out. I could ask you some questions because the yeah. alter ego work is like a, a lot of it's written because we're, I'm helping you to explore what's inside of you. But I could just ask you some, some questions like around, do you find yourself saying I used to a lot and what did you used to do or used to be? Oh, I would have to say no. I'd have to say no. If anything, I feel I get better with age because I'm constantly evolving and growing. Yeah. That's really good because a lot of people who come to me are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and Mm. they have never let themselves out of the cage. So Mm. that's really great. Looking back on the relationships you've had, Mm. far past and present, Mm. do you feel like there's a pattern of being exhausted from giving too much in the relationship and not getting receiving much back. Yeah. So my previous relationship was three years ago. So I've been single properly for about three years and I only saw two partners briefly last year. Um, So what happened with me in the past is in the first serious relationship, I was like a workaholic And, I mean, our schedules were very different. She, you know, she was really close with family and her girlfriends and stuff like that. And I was just really structured and I, you know, was in a certain, had a certain routine that I didn't like to break. And it really, I think, look, as much as I wasn't in love with her and I loved her, um, I think things probably could have been better if there was more adventure, if I just embraced more adventure and more, Dates. And then kind of with the second one after that, um, she got really bitchy in the end because I think she felt like I wasn't giving her enough of my time and there was not enough spontaneity and stuff. And looking back, I think I played a big role in stuffing up both of those relationships in the end to a degree, even though we, we lacked compatibility. And I think I walked away for the right reasons. I was really honest with myself. And I walked away with as much love towards them as I could possibly have mm-hmm. and still won't talk poorly about them till today, right? Yeah, but I guess what I would like to do differently moving forward is keeping a sense of courtship and adventure in the relationship and not prioritising yeah. work over love per se. It's That's a big fun. part of it because that adventurous part of you is, is part of your secret sauce, what people really gravitate to you for, mm. um, Another question would be, do you ever find yourself toning yourself down because other people might find you too much, uh, too powerful? I had in the past and now I'm like, you know what, screw that, (laughs) screw that. (laughs) Like seriously, and I mean, you should see my manifestation soulmate sheet. It's like four pages long. And I read it out on one podcast, Jean, and I think it took me 15 minutes, 10 minutes or so just to read it all out. And it was like the whole theatre went quiet, you know, even though it was me and one other person. But it was like there was so much depth to it because she's like, okay, so this is how you structure a soulmate. Hang on, I was like, hang, on hang on a minute. Let me just pull mine out, my ready-made uh, soulmate form for you and I read it she was blown away by how well it will, like how it was structured and I said and I'll tell you what I go I don't care how long how, I don't care how long I have to actually be single for now I said because I've never done anything to this degree 
And like I've done soulmate attraction stuff in the past, but not to that degree. And my my mm-hmm. relationship coach, she kept tweaking it until it was perfect, until it was like, you know, in all of that, Amanda, not once have you said you wanted an empath. She goes, why is that? And I go, because I attach being an empath to having a sense of weakness. She goes, but are you weak? I said, no. I go, I'm strong as nails. She goes, correct. So why do you, why are you attaching having an empath to that? And I go, well, because all I've ever, attra- or all I've ever been attracted to is really gorgeous women who are emotionally unavailable. She goes, right. So you can still be attracting a really gorgeous, stunning woman who is also empathetic and open-hearted and warm and da 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 So I had to get my head around being okay with wanting an empath who is also this and also that and also that and also wanted marriage and et cetera. So it's not being afraid, going back to what you said earlier, not being afraid to be really, really honest with what you want and scaring away everyone else. Exactly. But also you had to become comfortable with being an empath because, and this is a part of, you know, one of the other things I ask about being you know, flying your freak flag is, do you find yourself judgmental of yourself? And sometimes people go, no, of course not. You know, but then you explore it and you find these little, little layers of, of judgment. Like I, for a long time had the same judgment about being an empath. I saw it as a weakness. Um, I saw it as it made me sometimes a a doormat because Mm. I was so into pleasing the other person but empathy does being an empath doesn't have to be that. That could be the dark side of it if you don't have healthy boundaries. But if you have mm. healthy boundaries, it's a beautiful gift to be able to really understand the world around you and the people around you. And also attractive. So, it's so attractive when a you when an empath is in their strength and sits in their authenticity, there's nothing more attractive. I just think, wow, like you are so incredibly sexy and you're genuine and you're everything else on top of that. So absolutely. anyway, that was great. All right. So number five, did we miss number five or did we cover five? No, number five is when we do the rebrand. So taking all of that information, Mm -hmm. I use my marketing hat, my marketing background, and we do a rebrand on you and help you to really figure out who you are, how to communicate your essence so that when somebody's swiping and scrolling, depending on what <laughs> app you're on, they can see in a snapshot who you are and, and at least whether who you are and who you aren't so that they can have a better sense before they swipe whether or not you could possibly fit with them. Love that. So a, a part of that is writing. Um, now, you probably you have your own uh, style for writing a profile. I don't think there's any one right way, but I do have Mm. some tips that I think could help anyone, um, no matter what they're looking for. And I would say the most important tip I have is to figure out the top, maybe five most important adjectives that describe who you are, what you stand for. What are the most important things about you? Someone should know the right person. I'm just pulling up my profile. I'm just curious to and read that to you. Okay, you're going to see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're going to think of those adjectives and then you're going to think about the same adjectives for the person you're looking for. And really oh. think about prioritizing it because sometimes if it's too long, it constricts the universe. Like the universe is like, that's a lot for one person. Yeah. Then don't use the adjectives 
Okay. So in journalism, we're taught to show, not to tell. And in journalism, uh, when you're studying it, uh, the teacher will, or your editor in real life will go, you know, don't use an adjective, show them. Mm. So what I do is I use the adjectives as a jumping point to telling your story. So give a snapshot of what that adjective looks like so that somebody can figure out Oh, I could see myself. Um, she's painting a picture for me. I can see myself in that picture. So, like, for example, everyone mm. puts in their profile, I'm looking for somebody with a great sense of humor. That means something completely different from one person to the other. The it is useless yes. to say yeah. that. Yes, you know? that's right. So if you want to say I'm funny, don't say I'm funny. <laughs> say, my friends call me the female Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. So then... Some guy who's kind of conservative or, you know, he's looking for a really quiet woman, he's going to go, Oof, you know, Too much. or some other guy is going to go or woman or any gender you identify with is going to be going, oh, wow, I, I love Jim Carrey. So I think I would really bond with someone like her. Or yeah. you could say, I'm looking for my, my dream person would sit on the couch with me and watch. And then in, in, for me, it would have been uh, Stephen Colbert. You know, he's a talk show host in the States. He's very liberal, progressive, but like whip smart about his observations about what's going on in the States and very funny about it. Mm. And that did two things. In one, it said, okay, could this, could someone see themselves sitting on the couch with me with a bucket of popcorn and enjoying Stephen Colbert? It also told me whether they were progressive or conservative because I knew in my heart that I couldn't live with someone who was like a Trump fan, for example, um, yeah. it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And these are the kinds of things that help you to screen those people out. As soon as you, that Stephen Colbert is definitely a code word for <laughs> I'm a liberal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep, yep. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I want to read you my profile, Jean. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not super active on Tinder, I must say, but I said recently moved back to Melbourne from the Gold Coast. I'm looking for a Wonder Woman who does the deep work, communicates effectively, is in touch with her feminine energy, glows with confidence and embraces empathy as her strength. I am incredibly excited at the fact that after having chased dreams for so long, I've built a small empire that allows me more freedom than I'd imagined. I'm really happy in life and ready to meet an amazing woman who will, who's wanting a soulful love. That's beautiful. I have chills. Is it? Okay. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. I I think the only thing I would add to it Mm. is just a little bit more detail of what those things look like. What does an amazing woman look like? Um, For example, um, what does she stand for? Um, how does she spend her time? And I, I don't mean go on and on about it, but just give a snapshot. Break it a little bit. Yeah. You know, try to imagine, oh my gosh, when I go deep into my heart and I, I imagine her, mm. what's the scene I see in my head? Because I guarantee you the scene you see in your head is the scene that's going to grab them. I love that. Yeah. My, my yeah. opening of my profile is what grabbed my husband. Yeah. He said, holy shit. This woman, I have got to meet this woman. And all it was is I was, um, I used self-deprecating humor. I was talking about, a, um, and, and at the same time, I was tooting my horn. <laughs> so 
I was telling the story about being on a date with one of those younger men. Yeah. And how he was, okay, I'm dating myself here, but he was on a Blackberry. Remember those? Yes, I do. So he was on his Blackberry. It was, uh, we were in the Castro in San Francisco and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, he's, he, he's a straight guy that can hang out in the Castro. I like that. All right. But he was on his Blackberry. It's at midnight. He's on his Blackberry. And I'm like, are you, uh, who are you talking to? You know? Yeah. And he goes, oh, just work. And I'm like, oh, never. So he just kept doing that. Yep. And so I started talking to the older gay gentleman uh, next to me. And um, after about 10 minutes of talking to him, he turned to my date and he said, if I were you, honey, I wouldn't let this one get away. And I used that little snapshot in the head of my profile. And not only my husband, but the other men were like, I love that. I really love that. And I'm sure that scared some people away. Like, oh, she's hanging out in the Castro, you know, <laughs> but, um, but it was great. I, I, um, and that's what I just advocated, whatever that picture in my head yeah. just crystallized in a moment, like who I was. And that's really what attracted the right people or started to anyway. I love that. How successful have you been at rewriting people's profiles and then all of a sudden like literally overnight like you claim bang that person can come through (laughs) well I wouldn't say overnight I haven't I haven't yet had someone overnight but I have had five days that's Um, good that's still good I had five days I had um my most recent client in Dublin he manifested in three months and I would say that the profile was a very big part of it, but it was also teaching him how to receive. So he, and a lot of my clients are achievers. A lot of them are empaths too, but they're achievers. And so when they date, they treat dating like achieving. Mm. And it's like, go, 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 push, 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 result, result, result. And they don't know how to like, <laughs> so in law of attraction, you were mentioning all the different laws. There's also the law of allowing. Yep. And he had to, as many achievers do, learn how to get into the flow and receive and stop trying so hard to make something happen. Yeah. And that was a big part of what he did too. But his his profile was unreal. And he did start to, when he posted that, he immediately saw a shift in who was coming through. And it was really shocking to him. But I've had, I've had um, also, I had a six-month program where somebody manifested after four months. So it depends on the person and how much resistance there is, but five days so far is the record for other people. Which is still really good. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember I was sort of speaking to psychics and stuff last year and they said, look, the next person that comes through, it's going to be very different to what you want. And I go, does that mean I'm going to still be attracted to her? They go, oh, absolutely. But it's going to be a slow burn. It's not going to be like a firecracker and then it'll fizzle out. This is going to be more like a candle where you're going to build that beautiful foundation together. You're going to be more on the same wavelength. But, you know, when you actually do finally meet, it's going to be like fireworks. And I was like, mm, okay, well, let's see. So I'm not going to hold my breath, but the way we've been or the way I've kind of handled this situation, so different 
to anyone else that I've ever sort of came into connection with. Aside from that, though, and again, I remember a psychic saying to me, look, don't expect there to be heaps of like flings coming your way, but there'll be more quality in terms of what comes your way. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm so okay with it. I'm sorry. I haven't had sex in like eight, nine months, Jean, full disclosure. Like I'm just going to be really blunt about it. And I'm like totally Mm -hmm. fine. I'm totally fine. Normally I'd be like really itching to just go out there and date and just muck around or whatever, but I'm just really content because I'm excited Mm -hmm. with all the coaching and stuff I've been able to get along the way and then interviewing amazing people like yourself. And I learn every, I learn from every person I interview I'm just so comfortable in the process now and I'm so trusting Mm -hmm. in the process and I'm not in a rush anymore. I used to be in a rush all the time and it just, you know, it stems from fear and anxiety. Achieving. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm a high achiever. And I think a lot of it Mm -hmm. was a fear of loss as well. If I didn't lock them down in a certain period of time, um, I felt like maybe that I wasn't going to be able to lock them down at all. (laughs) Really (laughs) shit way to go, but yeah. I love all that. I love all that. First of all, I wanted to celebrate how you flew your freak flag with the TikTok video. And it's a perfect example of how you called somebody in by just letting go and Mm. being who you are, being 100% authentic. It doesn't have to be, you know, people think when I say freak flag, oh, they mean kink. And it can be kink, but it could just be really being willing to embarrass yourself even Mm. just by being who you are. Yeah. Um, because the right person is going to see that and go, God, that's sexy. That is so <laughs> freaking sexy. Yeah. And that leads me into the, everything you were just saying was poetry to me about the flying the freak flag part and how yeah. she, you know, found that very sexy about you. Yeah. That's a perfect example. But then what really sang to me was when you were talking about how you're welcoming her into your life with out a specific expectation of what it's going to look and be like that is the sixth step Mm. is i help people to date with soulful strategy instead of the way we're taught to date how are we taught to date physical chemistry people say there's no chemistry there's no chemistry but what they usually mean and they don't realize it is sexual chemistry And they think when I say don't lead with that, they think I mean, oh, we're just going to be pals and there's going to be no Zaza Zoo. The Buddhists believe what I believe, which is when you meet a soulmate, you won't feel this big explosion of excitement, which is what we're trained to look for. Yes, 100%. You will feel calm and you will feel like you don't have to put on any pretenses with this person and you will feel accepted. And that's what happened with my husband. And I tell people, you are not, trust me, (laughs) when you feel that way with somebody and this person is one of, you know, the soulmates in your life that are supposed to be a romantic soulmate, the sex is going to blow your mind. It's going to, it's just that it's not, what's, what's driving the love train is that emotional, spiritual chemistry. So that's, fascinating ties it all together fascinating you say that yeah that's right and that's that's the thing and you know this person i'm talking to in state at the moment it's very it's very platonic 
you know, but it's also very mm. respectful in the way in which we communicate with each other. But she's not sending me naked selfies and there's not this animalistic, oh, I want to rip your clothes off yet because we haven't met each other and we're really building a friendship. I've never done this before. This is all foreign for me, especially lesbians. By the first week, they're already talking about their engagement, right? So, <laughs> yeah, terrible. You know, it's just everything's so sped up because it's like when I went on um, Married at First Sight a few years ago, the person they paired me up with she turned around the day after even though she was all over me on the wedding she turned around the day after and she goes I'm not feeling an overwhelming sense of chemistry and it's like you have completely missed the point here why we're here we're here to get to know each other it's not a competition of how quickly can I fall in love with you right it wasn't love at first sight so I've learned that over especially like if I look at some recent sort of connections with people, I'd ignored the fact that the compatibility just wasn't there to begin with and I went straight for mm-hmm. the chemistry and I was riding that as long as I could and I just come to the point where I'm like, fuck, we're just not compatible. <laughs> like as much as I want to sort of ignore it, I can't. Yeah. And when there's breakdown after breakdown after breakdown, no matter how much you're attracted to them, like if we reverse the order in which we approach relationships and we're going for the soul, if we could put the blindfold on and only speak to their soul, would you still be attracted to them? Remove the fact that you can see what they look like now, put a blindfold on every time you talk to them, is what they're saying, doing, and how they make you feel, is that really turning you on or is it putting you off? And what's your, and what's your body doing? Is your body mm-hmm. leaning in? Is your Are you going like this? You know, are you leaning away or are you leaning in? Like I was, my husband and I were talking about mundane things, but I was just leaning in the whole time. Mm. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it too. It'd be so interesting to see what happens, but at, at the same time, I don't want to put any <laughs> expectation on yeah. it. But I think what you're doing is bang on. Yeah, look, I mean, and that's after having intense relationship sort of counseling and this is almost like relationship. Every time I interview someone, it's it's literally relationship counselling for me. So what I want to ask you, though, um, after you and your husband had met, so was it mm-hmm. instant sort of, was there a really instant connection when you'd met in person? Not sexual. Not sexual. I, I, I will say um, I felt comfortable, but I did not feel excited in any way. But because... I had really talked myself out of looking for that and looking for something else. I was able to relax into the date and just see where it goes without any expectation. Mm. And, um, you know, and then we went on our second date and then we went on the third date and it wasn't very long before, you know, I just had to jump in because I, that connection was, uh, he was being very respectful Mm. and, really wanting friendship first and he was so eloquent about it and i just i was over there was just one at time at one point early in the relationship i just was overcome with this is i just need to you know be with this person and Mm. um we didn't get married until two years we definitely took our time but i will say that the zazazu does take care of itself 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I do love that. I love that. Okay. Um look, we've been going for like over an hour. I think it I think that's a really nice way to wrap this up. We've covered a lot in this episode. Absolutely. And it's been really beautiful to chat with you. And again, I, I had I've actually learned a lot tonight with you because it is eight o'clock here at night, so tonight. But um what time is it over there? Is it like eleven AM there? It's now eleven AM. Yeah. Perfect timing. Beautiful, beautiful. So I guess if people want to come and chat with you and work with you, what is the first best place to start with? Well, they can either contact me through my website, which is mysoulmatecoach.com, or they can follow me on Instagram or Facebook and contact me there, which is at mysoulmatecoach. Mm. And then we can get the conversation started if somebody wants to, you know, ask me a question or if they want a free, you know, soulmate accelerator session, we can, you know, chat about that and see where it goes. Mm. Um, there's no pressure. It's just an exploratory call, but yeah. I think that's the best way. Perfect. And Jean, when you're not changing people's lives, what, what do you like to do in your spare time? My favorite thing to do is to hike by the ocean. Yeah. That is what grounds me, um, mm. what heals me and keeps me connected to my dreams. You know, mm. you know, whether I'm doing it with my husband or by myself, I mean, that's really my favorite thing to do. I, my, I guess I would say that nature is my church, mm. Mm. but that's really what keeps me, you know, and that's, I think why I, I during the pandemic, because there's nature right outside my door, um, it wasn't as hard for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I could just go outside and and be in, in in all that. I can hear the birds outside. Sounds really peaceful wherever <laughs> you are. <laughs> and there's the the sea is out there. The Celtic Sea is out there, and it's just very nourishing. And... Yeah. So you're close by the ocean, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lovely. She's got a crystal ball in the back, guys. So she's gonna. Um... <laughs> That's part of my freak flag. I I, I yeah. show that I you know have that psychic, intuitive side to me, and um, yeah. yeah, I'm just letting it out. Yeah, no, I love it. Absolutely love it, Jean. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight. So thank you so much, um, and guys. So yeah, just just make sure that you are giving Jean a follow. Reach out to her, have a chat with her, tell her what you loved about today's episode and also feel free to reach me, DM me, give us a follow, a like or a subscribe depending on what platform you're listening on and also if you want to work with Jean, all of her details are in the show notes below. But yeah, Jean, thanks again.